Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, good morning, listeners, and that's right. It's Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Workerlings. My name is Pierre Morrow, and Giselle, you're back, and you've been out of so long that you even had to rush to put your headphones and get、I've、them mic. I've got、right. what、you've、you、forgot. have to do to um <laughs> to actually put yourself to air. Sorry, listeners. Welcome <laughs> But yes, back. Yes, I am. Why? Thank you. That's good. That's just good. Just for the lucky last two shows, the penultimate and ultimate shows of 2018,、That's、just、right. to keep you in check and remind the listeners that no, you don't have to listen to Pierre forevermore. Ah,、oh, look, there was so much fun when I had the studio all by myself. Anyway, welcome back, Giselle. Good to have you back here, and of course, you're listening to your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. And thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program. We've got a full complement. Of the、uh, of news from the from the region this、um, this week, and、um, that's right. So it's second last program. So in the second half, you'll be hearing an interview、um, that we did a couple of weeks ago with、uh, Sheng So, who is from the Labor Education Service Network,、uh, which is a Hong Kong labor organisation. And、um, she'll be talking about the situation for workers and organising in China. So,、um, quite an interesting、uh, interview and、um, issues there. But、um, let's see what is it. It's already two past nine o'clock. We better go to the news items. Giselle, I want to ask you about how to contact AWL. You might have forgotten. Oh, probably. The... For, what's AWL? That's right. Go, <coughs> go for it. Go for the news. We're gonna、item. we're gonna kick off in the Philippines, and there is the first conviction of a police officer in the Philippines.、Um, Just over a year ago, 17-year-old student Kian Loy de los Santos was returning home when he was confronted by a group of armed men who shot him dead in a side alley in、uh, one of Manila's poor working-class districts. Police had claimed that they had encountered a drug su- suspect and had fired in self-defence. Fortunately, CCTV evidence was available that proved that Santos was shot dead in cold blood, totally unarmed, while begging for his life. The regional trial court found the three police officers guilty of murder and sentenced them to prison terms of up to forty years. These are the first convictions for the last two and a half years in the Philippines for the over twenty thousand people that have been murdered by police and paramilitary gunmen in the war on drugs unleashed by President Duterte. In the ongoing debate within the country on this issue, this week President Duterte came out and stated that his country's Catholic bishops are useless fools. And that these bishops, that you guys have killed them, they're useless fools. They all they do is criticise. His outburst is believed to have been prompted by a statement earlier in the year by the Catholic Church that condemned the war on drugs by stating they're killing our flock, <clears throat> they're killing us, the shepherds, they're killing our faith, they're cursing our church. Three Catholic priests have been murdered in the last year. I mean, it really does go to show the、um, what happens when you have the、um, state of terror that is being unleashed in the Philippines, and there being no real clear political direction. That you have 
the Catholics who are <clears throat> returning to the origins of their faith. But of course, there is no answer for the working class in Catholicism. And then you have the human rights lawyers that are searching for an answer in the law. And of course, there is no legal solution. And they get to... killed as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it is... It is absolutely, if I can be so bold as to say this, this is an absolute failure of the left to correctly position and actually put um, a working class revolutionary perspective that will ultimately see the overthrow of capitalism and counteract what we're seeing in the streets of Manila and, and uh, across the Philippines. Good to see that you're full of energy, um, Giselle. Um, I believe that is politics, full of politics, full Pierre. Full of politics, that's good. God, that's I knew good. I needed to come back before the end of the show you've ruined the show you've ruined it uh but um, there are groups in the philippines out there that are trying to do what you say but um yes it is a very tough situation we go to india where unfortunately on thursday 29th of november three workers were killed when a fire broke out at around 3 a.m at the polybutadine rubber plant of reliance industries in vadodara which is in uh, the north West state of Gujarat. The fire was restricted to the expander hotbox and unfortunately did not spread to other parts of the factory. The workers, Arun Dabi, Pritesh Patel and Mahindra Jadav, all in their 40s, were contractual workers who had been working at this factory for decades. The cause of the fire is unknown at this stage, but initial reports indicate that this location had already experienced similar incidents in the past few years. And so unfortunately, it's a refrain that we often uh, find in our reporting that uh, there's been multiple incidents and that often workers are not even permanent, they're contract or casual. Still in India, <clears throat> excuse me, listeners. <laughs> well, it was just all your passion, political passion before That's has exhausted right. your, your... choked your, me <laughs> up. That's right. Uh, still in India this week, more than 600 workers employed at the Precol factory, an automotive parts manufacturer, ended their strike, which had lasted almost three months. The initial reason for the strike was due to the company's refusal to initiate talks on a new wage agreement, but soon became a fight for the right of workers to organise independently. The workers had thought that they had reached an agreement with the company to create a clearer wage structure, start negotiations and not to take any disciplinary actions against the striking workers. Unfortunately, as soon as the workers returned to work, the company issued temporary transfer notices to over 300 workers to relocate them to other plants in India. This is an obvious attack against a very militant worker workforce with a proud history of struggle. They've already started a new round of protests against the company's latest tactics. Of course, Precol is um, one of the companies that uh, employed that really heinous technique of um, these deaths in the factories and then charging a significant number of workers with the I murder. Th I think two of them may still be in jail. I'm not uh, I'm not too sure, but I feel like we've been reporting on pre-call for the last five, six years. They've, they're certainly a militant workforce, so well done to them. Um, we now go next door to Sri Lanka, where hundreds of thousands of tea plantation workers began an indefinite strike this Wednesday, demanding a doubling of the daily wage. Planta tea plantation workers are among the most oppressed sections of the island's working class, whose wages only amount to 500 rupees, or less than three US dollars a day. 
Workers from different unions have all gone out on strike holding pickets, meetings and demonstrations across the various states. In response, the companies are offering workers the ability to enter into an employer revenue share system. Under this system, workers are allocated about a thousand tea bushes to work on. This um, uh, transforms them into sharecroppers where the whole family has to work, effectively extending exploitation across the generations of a family unit. Um, not surprisingly, the workers are opposing this system um, and in their um, current struggle are hampered in, in their struggle by the fact that many of their trade union leaders are closely aligned with one or the other of the two main political blocs in the Sri Lankan parliament, a parliament that is now in a state of paralysis and crisis. The workers nevertheless um, are confident that with unity they can win their demand. So it's something um, certainly to keep watching. And in, <clears throat> excuse me, just, um, I know. <laughs> nice radio voice, Giselle. Okay, remember to breathe. I'm about to read a story about torture, comrade. So. Sorry. <laughs> in Iran, um, so recent reports indicate that Ishmael Bakshi, a well-known and courageous representative of Haftape sugarcane worker, was severely beaten and tortured after his arrest by security and intelligence forces. Ishmael uh, has extensive bruising to his head and face as well as internal bleeding. He was recently arrested following ongoing actions by the Haftape sugarcane workers and he's being indicted on national security charges. This is a well-known tactic by the police to intimidate labour activists as well as restrict their legal rights while in custody. A number of independent labour organisations within Iran have called for solidarity on behalf of Ishmael and for his uh, immediate release. In addition, last week, security forces stormed the house of another sugarcane labour activist and arrested Mr Ali Najati, his son, Payman Najati, and a guest. After interrogation, Mr Najati's son and his guest were released, but Mr Najati remains in custody. You can find the latest news on the website of the International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. Of course, I'm always, and I, th- I do think we have to say it, just blown away by the courage of the Iranian uh, workers' movement. I mean, they know that they face torture, arrest, murder um, if they continue to uh, take industrial action and yet they continue to. And when you compare that to the patheticness of the Australian <laughs> labour movement that refuses to take industrial action and invest all of its hopes and dreams and future prosperity in the revolutionary Australian Labor Party and so quells industrial action in service of an election campaign. I mean, it is... Well, I think I think someone uh, in the past um, uh, with a little bit of a beard maybe talked about uneven development, um, both economic and politically, Giselle. But uh, I'm reading that guy at the moment. A few a few of his uh, pamphlets. All right. Well, that's 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 good. I, I can see it's, it's coming out. Um, but um, <laughs> look, I'll give a prediction. I reckon within in the next over three years, we'll hear more about the Iranian working class, and I think. Um, it's a space to watch. I think um, it might become the, the struggle might actually get very heightened, and um, some of the issues of imperialism, anti-imperialism, and all that, all those issues, I think, might come up again. So, bear that in mind, listeners. But we go. I think this is the last um, news item for the for the week, where we actually go to um, 
uh, not quite next door, but very close to Syria, where on Friday, the 23rd of November, Raid Fares and Hamoud Junaid were gunned down by unknown gunmen in the small city of Kafranbel, situated in the rebel-held region of Idlib. Both Raid and Hamoud had um, been prominent anti-government activists since the early days of the popular uprising in 2012, they helped to organise the Kafran Bell Coordination Committee and then once the Assad government presence was thrown out, they established the Union of Revolutionary Officers so as to publicise the ideals and objectives of the popular uprising. In 2013, they formed Radio Fresh as another tool to keep the revolution alive. As the conflict became more militarised, both men came under greater pressures from conservative and reactionary forces. In the last few years, both Reid and Hamoud were arrested by Islamist forces a number of times while they both survived numerous association attempts. Their murders in late November is another sign that the original revolution is being strangled by reactionary forces. After their funeral, the town people erected this banner in the centre of town. It may appear that they killed you, but you are still with us as an inspiration. So I think that's a really good way to um, close off the uh, news uh, from news around the region. As um, let us inspire us to to go further, Giselle. I, I'm sure you'd uh, agree with that. You got to remember, Nainok's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Nadoc! It's just on uh, 14 past 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio and listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on Labour Issues in the Asia Pacific Region. And a few days ago, we managed to catch up with uh, Shung So, who she's the from Labour Education Service Network, who's a Hong Kong labour organisation. And um, it's basically, uh, we talk about the uh, the state of labour organising in China. Welcome to our program, Shong. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Um, before we look at the labour situation in China, do you want to just uh, introduce yourself and your organisation for our listeners? Yes, this is Shang So from Hong Kong. Uh, we have got a labour organisation based in Hong Kong working on mainland Chinese labour issues and we are the Labour Education and Service Network. I mean, obviously, when we talk about China, China is a, is a huge country and uh, obviously different cities, different provinces, and the labor force is of hundreds of millions of, of, of workers. But just in a, in a general term, we don't often get news in the mass media about workers in China. If you were to give an overview in terms of the workers' ability to organize on the job and have independent unions in China, what would you say? 
I would say the right to be organized and to get organized and to form the unions is basically stripped off. Well, there's not even a really way to actually join the government uh, labor union because it, it takes a lot of uh, procedures and difficulties to be in a government union, let alone saying organized by yourself. And um, many people regard the official old China trade union as a bit of a yellow union on the side of the companies. I would say they are actually part of the government structure rather than with independent will for workers. And as a labour-based organisation in Hong Kong, is it difficult for you to find information and support the workers in struggle in mainland China? I used to be with more chances for interaction and direct contact with workers. But after 2017, after the Chinese government is issuing this new law on foreign NGOs operation in China, organizations like us, which do not have uh, permission from the government, is basically forbidden to work in mainland China or to get in contact with anyone. Uh, It's becoming uh, illegal. So that is creating a lot of obstacle for organizations and for workers to try to get their voice out. Why do you think the the government cracked down um, since last year? Was it because you and other organizations were having real effects and real improvements? I would say we had well, we had started working um, since the early two thousand. So I would not say we have been very very effective because it's a huge country with huge population of workers. But we had worked very hard to support workers in defending their right through legal procedures. And we do see the um, labor protection policies are improving, even in implementation. But seemingly, when workers' movement or workers' uh, activism is growing into collective action, this is becoming more worrying I presume this is uh, some of the reason behind that the government become very aware and quite conscious about the existence of labor NGO activists. Uh, the crackdown is not actually starting just last year. The early wave of very systematic crackdown starts as early as 2012. Before that, we have uh, occasional Uh, difficulties with our work. But after 2012, we've seen rounds and rounds of systematic crackdown on labor NGOs. Because sometimes we do get information that comes out of strikes, sometimes quite big strikes, but that it then seems to dial it down very quickly. And mm-hmm. it would seem from an outsider, there's very little avenues for workers to communicate or to organise across sites, across cities, across provinces. I think workers do have channels to get their messages passed. And we do see these um, linkages from outside But it is very risky if uh, these kind of connection is being visible 
or it shows itself in struggles, then it will face strong, very strong crackdown. For example, there's a case in 2015 with a, a factory of a garment factory of several hundred workers, and they they have striked it, and then they have tried many solutions in mainland China, but they find it is not really working. And then they had agreed on going on international campaign against their international buyer. But that actually got a very strong crackdown on the workers. And that was very devastating for the the, the action. So workers are now in a situation that they cannot voice out on the internet because uh, very strong internet censorship. They It's very hard for them to get their messages outside of the country. And so it's coming back to labor organizations in Hong Kong or outside of China to closely monitor the internet and just to take notes of all the messages that just appeared, and then they would disappear. So we need to take those messages and, you know, uh, catch those flims of light and then and try to uh, catch up and uh, follow up. And you were telling me of that you've been involved in quite a, a recent um, strike in Shenzhen where workers tried to form a union. Would you like to tell us what happened? Actually, we are not involved in that uh, in that strike. We are like many other organizations. We were in the Hong Kong and looking at the media, and we learned this case. But uh, what it's very alarming that the government is cracking down upon the case very hard. They have arrested over a dozen people. That includes uh, worker representatives that also include active student activists who are supporting the case. And they have arrested a NGO staff who has been who has been supporting but not really organizing. You know, it's just like all the people who are aware of this um, case and he will express his support to the workers. But he was detained for many times. And then eventually, he's now being accused of the core organizer of the event, uh, of the incident, yeah. which... So with, what, what was the incident? Like how many workers um, were involved in this factory, um, more or less? Yeah, there are the factories uh, consist of, of over a thousand workers. It's a electronic factory, but it produced like component, electronic components. And the, the, the case was a group of workers initiate to form a union under the ACFTU structure. So they have been communicating to the upper unions and also to uh, people, to the management because of the requirement of the upper union. And later on, they are finding out that the factory is trying to organize a union to replace them. So there has been conflict between the work representatives and the the factory, and it later on developed into a a physical conflict, and they were arrested. And then they were kept in detention center and never released until now. 
So student activists and fellow uh, workers were supporting them, trying to protest to the police bureau, to the ACFTU branch. Uh, so it was a case of um, workers and the support of workers. But it ended up that the fact uh, that the, the government had arrested, well, they have taken custody of a lot of student activists without actually arresting them. So they were being kept away from contacting anyone else. And also uh, that is a very Chinese way of keeping people in custody. And they have also arrested a labor NGO employee uh, whose name is Fu Changguo. And we are uh, having a petition for him because cracking down on a labor struggle, on a worker struggle, that is uh, almost not uncommon in China. And it is, we, we usually would, of course, support, find ways to support workers who are, you know, involved and who are being prosecuted. But for this particular labor NGO staff, who is um, being framed, he he's being put into a position to be the scapegoat for the government. And that is something we will say is very, very unacceptable. So the government's really uh, not only just cracking down on the workers, but basically as wide as possible on the whole support network that they may have had. Yeah, and you will be able to find this uh, related report on many media already because uh, there's been several rounds of arrest of students, even arresting students in ca- on campus. So what what do you think this means for the labor movement uh, in China? Do you think that means that it's going to become more and more isolated because even the the few opportunities to get the information out or to have support are being closed down? I think in fact we don't see it just eradicate the strikes. I mean for without, you know, support from abroad there's still strikes and workers still trying to defend their right through solutions that they can find. But obviously, it is uh, slowing down or hindering uh, workers' um, knowledge because information flow is very important and to learn from each other and, and, and to, to, to retain experiences. So we are... Sadly, well, unfortunately, that we are back to a stage that workers uh, still carry out their activities, they, their actions, but there's much lesser chance for them to accumulate their, their knowledge and experiences. As a final question, what can labor activists around the region do to be in solidarity with Chinese workers as they obviously struggle to get a living wage and, and safer workplaces? Well, one thing is, of course, be very um, aware of uh, any information that is coming out and try to understand, I mean, not just what happened to the workers, but also to the entire you know, economic development and social political development, so to understand better the context uh, workers are in. And also, I think China is still a huge 
manufacturing base for the global supply chain. So working on the global supply chain is a indirect way to be also having impact on labor rights in mainland China. Thank you very much uh, for coming in and, and explaining all these issues. Much appreciated from myself and our listeners. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back in uh, 2019 to get more updates Thank about you. what's going on. Hello, this is Dan Salton, and you're listening to 3CR Blackfellow Radio, Melbourne. You were just listening to an interview with Shang So, who is from the Labor Education Service Network, Hong Kong-based labor organization and an NGO, about the state of the workers' movement in China. And that, um, Giselle, that brings us to the end of another program for Asia-Pacific Currency. Like you said, the penultimate for 2018. That's right. That's right. That's well, right. thank you for letting my return be as... Uh, <laughs> interesting as possible, correcting all of your bad politics, Pierre. That is what I'm here for. Listeners, I do apologise for whatever misinformation you will have received over the last five weeks. Uh, but I am back and we'll see you next week for the last um, show of the year. We do have an interview, but we're also going to do a bit of a year in review in relation to the labour movement across the uh, Asia-Pacific region. That's right. So um, bye from me. You've been listening to Asia-Pacific Currents, brought you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. I'm Pierre. And I'm Giselle. And stay tuned for Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.